I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement. Trying to go around and talking to my friends who are uh, about to retire or or thinking about retirement, or in the case of today, Dr. Deborah Hoffreiter, who has retired. Yep. You have. And you retired a year before I did. Yes. And you were the first of my friends to retire. So when I was thinking about people to interview, I, I thought, I need to go talk to Dr. Hoffreiter because I remember when you retired, I don't know that you know this, when you retired, it started my journey to retirement. I didn't know that. Not to say that you retired and I said, okay, now I'm going to retire. <laughs> when, but in an earlier podcast, I talk about um, when I started thinking about retirement, my first thought was fear. Because mm -hmm. to me, retirement is just waiting to die. It's terrifying. And I reference my parents who basically approached retirement as... Not only am I done working, I'm just kind of done living too, just to be mm -hmm. blunt about it. Yep. And you know how much I adore my parents. Yep. And, and, but at the same time, their handling of retirement was not the best example to me and only just made me afraid. I think that was the old school view of retirement. Mm -hmm. um, you were done. Yeah. And I don't think that's true anymore. No, I don't think so either. And that's the whole point, ladies and gentlemen, I've been trying to make. For the last few episodes. I should have had you on episode one. We'd be done. <laughs> so Well, maybe it's opportune that I'm here now. Yes, it is. And and so when you retired and I was afraid, I was like, wow, Debbie's retiring and what am I gonna do? And I've already talked about it here with with listeners, but I started making notes and writing things down, things I might want to do, things I might be interested in. Mm -hmm. And then it just started me down the journey to where I am now. And and I don't know if you want this company, but uh, at the, right, right around that same time, I had a talk in my office alone with Bill Favre about his retirement. And 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 Bill, for all of you, he's a, he was a teacher at the school Debbie and I worked at together. Debbie had a long career at Miracosta High School. We were administrators together. And uh, one of our teachers was Bill Favre, a very famous, well-known, legendary teacher at Costa. And he said 30, in my office... 38 years or something like that Some at Costa. crazy number, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, he could have... He only missed it by two years of being my high school teacher. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, but we were in my office and, I, and, I, and you had just announced your retirement. I was thinking about retirement. And I said, Bill, you know, what are you going to do in retirement? And he knew, he knew. He does know. Yeah, and I don't want to say it because that... Yeah, no, he you know, knows. But and it's a knew. perfect fit for him too. And he was like, first I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there going, I don't feel better <laughs> hearing that. Yeah. I feel worse because it's just another ind indicator of how woefully underprepared I am for this stage in life. Mm -hmm. So when, when did you first start thinking about retirement? Four years before I did. Okay, which would be like six years ago? Yes, six yeah. years ago now. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about retiring then. 
and I had a, you know, my cadre of parents who did everything for me. Yeah. Um, all events, they were all over them, and they had younger siblings coming up, and they're like, please, please, please stay until our siblings are graduated. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, four more years. Hmm. Okay. And so I had that four-year window of, you know, 2020, that's when it's going to be happening. Yeah. So, yeah. And what, what motivated the retirement? Like, why did you say, I'm going to retire? Like, what, what brought it on? Um, probably a little bit of the old school retirement. You know, I was... Um, I think when I first started thinking about it, I was mid-60s, my mid-60s. And I'm like, okay, I love what I'm doing. I love getting up in the morning and I love being around the high school kids and doing the stuff that I was doing. But don't I want to do something else before I die? <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a great way to pose the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a negative leading question. It was Don't literally. I want to. Yeah. It was really <laughs> literally what my thought process was. Yeah. Is I could keep working cuz I love working. Yeah. Or I could retire and do something else before the end of the road or before I was too infirm to do some of the things that I wanted to do. So so just to try to like encapsulate that so your motivation for retiring was i i need to go and do something else with what's left of my life yeah or is there anything else you want to do right i mean did you have an idea uh a little bit it's hard to tell now because when i did retire it was the pandemic and so everything was shut down um, I wanted to travel. I am going to be traveling now yeah. in this year. Um, so that was something. Um, yeah, there were a lot of different things that were floating around in my head that I wanted to do. And some of which I've done. A trash can. Sorry. Is really close. <laughs> it's like right under the balcony. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Um, there he goes. So what were your, oh, so travel basically was your central theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That and moving to France. I really wanted to move to France. Really? Yes. Why? Um, uh, it's a Judy Collins song. I always wanted to live in Paris. You know, <laughs> my father always promised me that we would live in France. Um, I always wanted to do that. I wanted to go to school at the, uh, in um, Bordeaux when I was in college. Hmm. And I wasn't allowed to go because the college decided I wasn't independent enough. And I'm like, are you sure you know who you're talking to? Holy cow. <laughs> they must have a level of independence unbeknownst. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the same time, this six years ago, at the same time, you're saying, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to start thinking about retiring. That's right around the time you'd finished your doctorate, too. No, I hadn't started my doctorate. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was almost done with my doctorate. And, and you kind of went into the doctorate, because I remember, you kind of went into the doctorate thinking, this is going to be my culminating activity mm -hmm. as an educator. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of saw that as 
I'll get my doctorate and then I'll be done, which is so crazy and independent. I, <laughs> you know, just to bring it full circle, because people usually get their doctorate as a doorway in, in, and you saw yours as a doorway out. And I remember our conversation. But I also saw it as a doorway to a lot of other things. Yeah. Not necessarily outside of education, outside of education yeah. or or tangential to education, um, which it did. I mean, it's the reason I went to China four times. Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as I got my doctorate, I started going to do professional development in China. I did that four times. And all the WASP stuff. And all the, well, the WASP, you don't need to be a doctorate, but, but it helps. But, yeah. It helps, yeah. And, and even when we talked about it, the question I put to you, because you weren't sure you wanted to put all the time, money, and energy money. Yeah. into a doctorate. And I remember the question, and at the time, it, it has different meaning now than it did then. Because I wasn't even thinking about retirement, but I knew you were close. So I remember my question to you about whether or not to do it was, how do you want to be introduced at your retirement ceremony? Mm. As, Which I never had. As Debbie <laughs> or Dr. Deborah Hoffreiter. And, you, and, and I don't remember if you answered me right away or you came back later. He said, I think I want to be introduced as Dr. Deborah Hoffreiter in my retirement. So even in the inception, your mindset either consciously or subconsciously was, I'm going to go get this doctorate and then I'm going to be done. Also, having a doctorate was a life goal of mine. Yeah. I always wanted a doctorate. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time, it was the most advantage advantageous time for me to get it. I didn't have children who were dependent on me. I, you know, was pretty set in my job. I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I could take it on. And that's why I did. So you build up to this retirement. And three months before retirement, we all go into a worldwide lockdown. Mm -hmm. So you went from being an administrator at the high school, the most chaotic, Mach demanding five. thing you could possibly be involved with, mm-hmm. to being out of the game and alone in your house. That's exactly right. How was that? I'm lucky I survived. <laughs> it's really not I, funny. I know. It's really not funny, but it is um, kind of. L- luckily, unluckily, fortunately, unfortunately, I also became president of the HOA in the village where I live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that gave me a little something to do, but it certainly wasn't anything like Didn't being... Fill the void. Yeah, yeah. And then... So how'd you get through it? Well... Yeah. It was summer, the summer that I retired and pandemic all over, everything shut down. And I was visiting um, a, a former student, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his parents were there. And his dad is more addicted to his phone than you, which is unbelievable. <laughs> and so we're sitting there talking and I'm, I'm saying, you know, yeah, I just retired and I'm kind of bored. I don't really know you know, what to do with myself. And he's on his phone and he's scrolling and he goes, you know, they're looking for teachers everywhere. And I said, what, why? And he said, well, you know, with the kids all on on remote education, the parents aren't real convinced that they're getting the best education possible. 
And so he hooked me up with this teacher in Manhattan Beach who ran uh, pods. Yeah. All the different pods. And I got a second grade pod and I got a seventh grade pod. Seventh grade was for socialization and we just had a kick-ass fun time. Yeah. Second grade, I was with them in school while they did their Zooms on in the classroom. And then I augmented what they were doing. And because my background is special education, to me, the fun part of this mm -hmm. is to take these kids who were gifted and use the same techniques that I used in special ed. And those little buggers at the end of the school year were reading at sixth grade level and they were nice. at end of second grade. And so I'm these, like, these, yeah. These pods were families who banded together. Yes. They entered into a social compact saying, Exactly. We'll only associate with each other. They well, sort of. They created these own bubble. In theory. In theory. They created these mutual agreed upon bubbles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the seventh graders, one of the girls wrote a, a essay at the end of the year. And the essay topic was, what have you gained and what have you lost during the pandemic? And she wrote it about the pod and how they didn't know each other. And these are seventh graders who are like social, social, social. Who are the worst humans, yeah. Yeah. And she, they didn't know each other and they were really quiet and they would barely participate. And at the end, they were a family. Yeah. And it was just the cutest thing. So My I'd say those pods got me through. Which is amazing and, 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 and emblematic of you because the pods were incredibly controversial. Yeah, well, whatever. And seen as the, uh, the, 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 the remedy of the f privileged, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you, and you just didn't care. You're like, I, I don't care. You're like, boom. No, I didn't care because it gave me, I mean, I, I, I realized how much it gave me when I was prepping for them. And I was so excited and I was, oh, look, I could do this and I could do this and let's do a lesson on this and we're going to just go through the year and we're going to do black history and we're going to do women's history and we're going to go LGBTQ and all of this stuff. And I got so excited about it that I'm like, I don't care what people think of this. This is fun. Yeah. And yeah, there you go. You know, well, a story that you told me that I like it. I won't be able to do it justice, but I guess you showed up one day and you had whatever you had prepared and like one of the second grade girls said... Oh no, this, that was the fourth grade. That's Fourth the one, grade. That, that was, was the, the one, one you dropped. I dropped. I tell that story. That's okay. a great story. And it's, it has an addendum now too. Okay. So because I'm retired yes. and I don't have to worry about my income... I was doing these pods. I had my second graders. I had my seventh graders. Loved them both. And I had a fourth grade group of girls. And one day I got there, obviously a little early to set up. And one of the girls was already there. And she said, is what you have planned to do today fun? Because if it's not, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I got out my phone and I texted the woman in charge of the pods. And I said, could you get somebody else to teach this fourth grade pod? And I never went back. Yeah. And the addendum is I have fifth grade pod now of the siblings of my now third grade pod. Yeah. And they, they're all boys. And so they were like, you know, 
trying to get me to go through my paces and be obnoxious. And and at one point they said, are we the worst pod that you've ever had? You know, a kind of a badge of courage for them. Uh And I said, no, actually. And I told them the fourth grade story and their eyes got really big and they're like, oh my God, all of their, she could disappear. All of their latent <laughs> abandonment issues came to the service. Exactly. And it was like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, well, shut up. But what you're really saying that I've said on this podcast is the beautiful, one of the beautiful superpowers of being retired is the ability to say no. Exactly. Say no now. Exactly. And even though you're putting yourself out there and doing all kinds of different things, you can still say, no, nah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's great. So um, so you got through the pandemic, mm-hmm. survived it. And I remember, I don't know, it was about halfway through the pandemic, I called you up because we needed you back right. for a teacher who went out on maternity leave. Admin. They went on admin leave. No, admin went on maternity. An admin. I was like, I put it. I put an administrator on admin leave. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. An administrator went out on maternity leave. We need you to come back and be a, a vice principal again. And I remember when I called you up on the phone and told you, I said, "How are you doing?" You said, "I'm bored out of my mind." <laughs> it's true. How do you? So now it's uh, almost a year after that. Mm-hmm. You feel the same way or? No, you know, actually, I, I have had this tendency my entire life of saying yes to whatever comes my way because I figure it's a new experience. Go for it. Yeah. Do it. So I have said yes to being president of the HOA. Mm-hmm. I have said yes to the pods. I have said yes to the Museum of Flight, um, working with them. I have said yes to accreditation visits with high schools. And my newest one is with the Friendship Foundation, Hmm. where I may go back full time with them because they're building a site um, that is for special needs adults to get them employed. And when I found out about that, I chased that one down until I got commitment to get hired. And I'm going to be the educational lead for that whole program. Nice. Yeah. Doctorate. Yes. Helpful. Yep. Yep. So now, at this point, having said yes to too many things, (laughs) my days are starting to get full again. And I kind of long for those times where I was like, so what should I do? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it goes in cycles. There are times when, because I'm also, <laughs> you're going to laugh. <laughs> I'm also doing Swedish death cleaning. What in the heck is that? <laughs> so there's a book called Sweet, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. So apparently, according to this book, the Swedes don't, they think it's rude to die and leave all your crap. It for, is rude. For your your Okay, death cleaning. Descendants. I thought you said deck, like no, decks. Deck. No. No, that So, one, do yeah. you clean it like a Swede or <laughs> no. is the deck have to be Swedish? <laughs> death as no. in die. Death. death, dying. Thanatologically. Yes. 
And so that's another project that I've been doing is going through everything. And like I had every greeting card that anyone had ever sent me in the whole 40 years that I worked as a teacher or an admin. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Um, I had my kids, everything gone. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that as well. So that's what I do when I don't have anything particularly planned. And it's so foreign to so many people because they'll hear that and think, oh, how morbidly that's sad so is that? so morbid. No not listen all you need is one of your parents to die mm -hmm. and it changes your whole perspective yeah because after my mom died i didn't know there was a term for it but after my mom died yeah you did it i did it yeah, i just i started it. and but as 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 much as i've as much of the uh, flock as i've culled right <laughs> um i still have so much crap but yeah but a lot less and, 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 and when I talk to the kids, I say, you don't want my crap. You don't want it. My kids have told me that. Yeah. You don't I, want my we, crap. I, we don't want Dad. any of the stuff you've got. Dad, why are you getting rid of that? Y'all don't want it. How do you know? I know because when my mom passed a little over a year ago, she had all this stuff that she cherished. Mm -hmm. I don't want any of it. Right. Why do I need well, that little does, Japanese that stuff, figurines? I don't need that. That kind my of stuff. My Japanese figurine fetish went away years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff, what? That kind of stuff stays if it's not excessive. You know, I mean, like if it, you know, the condo, if it brings condo, whatever yeah, her yeah, name if is. if it brings you joy. If it brings you joy, you keep it, but not bundles of it yeah you know not stuff that is in a closet that you never see anymore like right. my mother's good china and silver are all under there why <laughs> i've never used it yeah do my kids want it absolutely not so i'm gonna sell it wow sorry mom <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening yeah. sorry mom yeah yeah i i, I think that I think the Swedish death cleaning is a, a, a worthwhile pursuit. Totally. Yeah. And it makes it so much nicer to live. Yeah. You know, like... Um, and do you miss it? No. That's the key. No. That's the key. Do I even know it's gone? No. Yeah, no. no. Yes. Yes and no. Like my ex-husband's <clears throat> daughter, because we're very close, mm -hmm. came over for dinner the other night. And she walked into this room, which is the latest room that I just did. And she goes, what? color was this room before <laughs> and i'm like uh i don't know like maybe peach or something and she goes it looks so much bigger and she's been here since yeah. it was this color right yeah. it looks bigger because all your crap is added. crap's gone yeah you know so are you a hoarder no okay. but i'm a teacher <laughs> And so, you know, it's close. Practically synonymous. Close. Practically synonymous. Really close. Practically. So synonymous. like when my garage got flooded, they took everything out of my garage and I was like, oh, this is so wonderful. And they came back to unload it and unloaded the garage full. Yeah. And I had already culled out a whole bunch of stuff and they were putting, bringing a file cabinet down and I'm like, leave that on the truck. Take it to the dump and throw it out. I don't care what's it's all in it. like old lesson plans and stuff. No, it wasn't. It was stuff that I probably should have saved. But anyway, 
I was like, I don't even want to see it. Yeah. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to see it. Just dump it. Well, I'm a documenter. So everything I get rid of, I document. Yeah, that's true. Because I, and, and you and I have known each other for so long that you also know I'm a neat freak. Yeah. And so uh, the Swedish death cleaning is, um, I would go further if the colonel would let me. Now I know. I know. And I think about my godmother who passed away up in Oregon a few years back. And I watched her in the last, I'd say, decade of her life get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So that I think when she she did pass and her sons had to come in to, to clean out her apartment. It was manageable. It wasn't that much. Every time I'd go see her, she'd go... Take that. You want that painting? Take it. You want that candlestick? Take it. You know, and she would just be giving stuff away and, you know, why not? It's funny when it's on sitcoms and they start doing that, right? <laughs> yeah. In my family, uh, my grandmother's sister, Auntie Val. Auntie Val was a little crazy. <clears throat> and uh, she got a big, um, like a glass barrel. And it, it, it had maybe a, a 10 inch diameter lid on it. So the mouth wasn't huge, but it was, you know, about that yay big round. And she filled it with beans, pinto beans, uncooked pinto beans. And then she got another one that was empty. And every day she'd take a bean out and put it in the other one. And she said, when this one's, when this one's empty and that one's full, I'm going to die. Whoa. So she had it planned out. She, so, so it got to be a thing in the family. So if she had some good days, if she felt good, she had some good days, she would take some beans out of the <laughs> dead side and put it back in the live side. You know, a little longer. Yeah. So they caught her doing that. Her kids, Auntie Val. And so uh, one, we were at a reunion and there was a big blow up. And one of her daughters, I believe, went into the bedroom Oh, no. It started taking beans out of the live side and putting them in the dead side. <laughs> God, cruel. <laughs> and, and, and everybody caught her, you know, Auntie Val, and everybody came in, and she was throwing beans. You know, I'm sick of you, and she's just throwing <laughs> beans in the other side. And then after that, the bean thing kind of disappeared. Yeah, I would so, think so. Yeah. 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 So we, we all laugh at Auntie Val. Wow. Um, so, so you're doing... So your projects... Because we talk about being retired and taking on projects. You're taking on projects that are still in your main field of study, right? And it's Yeah, I'm taking on projects you're an educator. That, that blow my skirts up, yeah. you know? I mean, and um, the, the project with the Fr- Friendship Foundation is not really education, although I am going to be working with Redondo with their their uh, choice program, but they don't have choice. So we're going to do it for them. But it's not so much what I've done previously as, as just getting people who would normally be watching television and doing nothing, Mm -hmm. but they're talented and they're able to do jobs out there and into jobs, which is a huge need right now. Cause, um, specifically autistic people who don't interview well because the social aspect of of interviewing 
but are phenomenal accountants, security people. I mean, just like the-, the Dependable and punctual. Exactly, dependable, punctual, mm. and will focus and on what heaven, they're doing. And by everybody else better be- Exactly. Dependable and punctual well, there's too. there's that too. <laughs> there's that too. But, um, you know, I mean, I, that to me, for me to be alive, I have to be doing something that benefits the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, and I, I know, know that, that sounds really altruistic. No, I know but that. But it really you. is. It that's is who you are. It is who I am. Yeah. And um, my, I have a friend who retired five years before me, and she goes, "Why are you working? This is your time. You need. You know, you've given for forty years. Now it's your time to get back." And I'm like, "That doesn't do anything for me." Yeah, the get back is the help you give others. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that is the get back for me. But just and to so, push a little bit, I mean, you're, you're, these, these are your passion projects as a retired person. Pods, education. WASC, education. The education director with the aviation project, education. <laughs> and friendship circle, education. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now, not to, not to put too fine a point yeah. on it. I mean, I could be a manicurist. I'm trained to do that. but you Outside know. of all that <laughs> education... What what do you what are you interested in? What are your things that you do? Reading, music. Um, what are you reading now? Being out. Oh God, I've got like five things going. You read a bunch of books at once, don't you? Yes, oh, I do. Man. I do. I could I've punch got you. I could punch the you. Right Vanderbilts now. by um, by Cooper um, Cooper Anderson. I'm reading the Carmel Pecan Roll Mystery. Okay. It was just like fluff. Okay. Uh, I'm reading Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Sapolsky. Um, Why don't they? Because they don't stress like we do. And it's <laughs> all a series of... How in the hell of, would Sapolsky know? Uh, he's a... Um, oh, he's a zebrologist? What, no, he's a... Uh, he is a biologist. <laughs> okay. ne neurobiologist, something like that. But he's... He's studied apes and, you know, all these other animals, but he's hilarious. Okay. He's a professor at Stanford and he writes these books. I found out about him through the speaker series. Yeah. He writes these books on this really like heavy duty, you know, behaviorist animal stuff. And it's funny. And you're sitting there reading it, laughing at, at this like, <laughs> Could be a textbook for his classes, which I'm sure it is, because yeah. you know that's what they do. Um, what else am I reading? Uh, I mean, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What music are you listening to? Well, last night, Dolly. Dolly. Um, and Dolly Parton. I, you know, I'm really, What's... I'm really sorry to say, but not really. My my Pandora station that is always on is Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, you're welcome. I thought yeah. you were going to say ambrosia. No. <laughs> no. The inside joke there, everyone, is that was the Pandora station I always played. Always. was ambrosia. Because it's just so, so salubrious for the soul. <laughs> and you and Jaime Mancia would just brutalize me. <sighs> brutalize me. Yeah. All right. So, Dwight. So, D.Y. Mm -hmm. Nice. Love him. Yeah. Love him. 
That's and, all just Dolly and Dwight? There's no other bands you oh, might no, be listening no, no. to? Are you kidding? Uh-huh. No, I mean, because Pandora, you know what Pandora does. Yeah. is. So I've got Willie, I've uh-huh. got Waylon, I've got... Um, There's no other country bands you listen Travis. to? Travis. Yeah. Oh, you mean like Truck Stop? Oh! <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Yes, they oh, come through. I wasn't digging for that nah. at all. And no, you know I have the, the playlist from your retirement party. And that's got Dwight, Willie, Waylon, and every truck stop (laughs) album that's come out. Uh And so when I'm not on Pandora, I'm on that. And it it goes forever because it's so huge. One one of the many things I love about you, of course, is next to Dave Brown, who you don't know, Mm -mm. you were perhaps our biggest fan. Oh, it was uh, so much fun. And, and I always appreciated it. You came to all the shows and became our videographer. Videographer. It was so cool. And it, that was news to me, uh-huh. you know, because I'm Cause shooting. Because normally how it happened was we'd be right ready to go on. And who's going to do And this? I'd be up at the microphone. I'd go, hey, Debbie, come here. Yeah. And I'd go, here, film the show. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Just point it at us. Right. And I did it. And it came out good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out good. And I'm like, hey. And you I... started experimenting with different angles. Moving yeah. in and moving out. I'm like, and, wow. And I'm De- like, Debbie was really into this. This is fun. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was, was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, any video that you see of Truck Stop on YouTube, I guarantee, Debbie, you did it. You did it. <laughs> That's cool. You took that video. That's cool. So that was fun. Well, well, good for you. So that, you're and, reading, you're and, doing music. And exercising my guts out, you know. So you're a bike rider. No, I used to be. You used to be. I, so I what, don't, what kind of exercise are you doing then? I don't ride alone because I don't want to do mechanical um, fixes. Right. By myself. So I've been walking over 10,000 steps a day. I've been race walking, like interval walking. Are you doing that awkward Well, I thing? could, but no. Okay. I, don't, I don't do this. Uh-huh. Well, I kind of do, but it's down here. Okay. Um, it's down at my waist, uh-huh. not, not up in the air. Um, and I have a friend who has been doing the Disney um, 5K, 10K half marathon down in Orlando where you do all of that in one weekend. And I'm like, hmm. Wow. So I think I'm going to, I've been wanting to for years train for that. And I think I will. I think I will do it. Because you can go in costume and you get these medals that are from like Beauty and the Beast. And, and you're a Disney freak. I was until they, they did what they did with Disneyland after the pandemic. And then I told them they could put it where the sun don't shine. I don't know what they did. They canceled all the annual passes, which I used because I don't want to go to Disneyland from 8 o'clock in the morning until midnight. Right. And so they canceled that. So they took that privilege away from me. Then they sold keys for a mega amount of money. And you have to make a reservation. So you could pay a mega amount of money and still not be able to go the day you want to go. Oh. And I'm like, It turned into a timeshare. Yeah. Keep it. No. Were you a member of the 33 Club? What is it no, called? Oh, God, I wish. I went about four times, and I sent John Heideman before he died. How how do you how do you become a member of the? Now somebody has to die, and it's really? like yeah, and it's like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that to buy your membership, and then there's a fee every year, like a country club kind of thing. But the membership is closed. Somebody's got to die, and you know what they do is they will it to people, and so oh. no one's ever going to die where you can 
actually get in. But there's uh, organizations like one of the place, one of the times I went was with the Junior League of Long Beach. So they have a membership to 33 and, you know, they did a luncheon or something there. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. So reading and music and all things Disney. And exercise. And exercising. Exercising. And you, and you. Oh, oh. And that one other thing. I took my dog to agility training. Freeway. Yeah, freeway. Shout out to freeway. (laughs) Shout out to freeway. Mm -hmm. And he is learning to do like all the different obstacle course stuff. So much fun. You posted that. I know. I posted when he graduated from the first one. Yeah, I know. Said he he passed phase one of agility school. And I said, how's your dog passed phase one? And I haven't even passed phase one. Exactly. Exactly. So he's in phase two right now and just... I mean, you see, you see pictures of little dogs jumping yeah. over the the little, yeah. you know. Can thing. he do it? Yes, <laughs> he loves it, and mm-hmm. it's good for me too because I've got to run with him. Yeah. You know, I've got to run and give him the commands. Oh, you have to do that little trot next to him mm-hmm. while you do it. Yeah, yeah. He's not on leash, um, but I I run to the the uh, obstacle and then give him the command like yeah. over, over, and you know, oh, so much fun. So much fun. Well, there you go. What a great retirement idea. Oh, so cool. Got that from a dare teller. A dare teller. I remember her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's great, Debbie. I appreciate you coming on with me and sure. talking about it. And and I, I always thought your journey was interesting because you retired and then you kind of went, ugh. Well, the world stopped. Yeah. If if the world hadn't stopped, I think I would have had a lot less angst about retiring. Nonetheless, you rallied. Yeah, true. You know, there's always going to be something in the world. That's true. You know, and you showed a lot of grit and, you know, just stuck it out. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, these are the cards. Let's play them. Oh, my gosh. All right, so before we sign off, we've got hatch green chili hot sauce. Which I can't wait. And we have prickly pear cactus jelly. You can only choose one. Where are you at? Hot sauce. No hesitation. No hesitation. Hot sauce. Okay. I'm much more spicy than I am sweet. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Uh, So you and Patty Perkinson and Neil Perlmutter, the basketball coach, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. were all hot sauce. Uh, That so does not surprise me. Especially Patty. And Jeff Rohr and Eric Karras were both cactus jelly. Telling you. I know. I don't know what it means. It means something. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement. <laughs>